Conversion therapy, or reparative therapy, is a practice that uses any attempt to alter a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. In 1899, a German psychiatrist claimed that he had turned a gay man straight with just 45 hypnosis sessions and a couple trips to a brothel. In a continued attempt to correct what was believed to be unwanted or sinful behavior, some people faced electroconvulsive therapy while others were subjected to even more extreme techniques such as lobotomy of the brain. Today, some 700,000 adults in the US alone have received conversion therapy, half of which were subjected to these practices from religious or spiritual advisors and even licensed healthcare professionals before reaching the age of 18. A recent study found that LGBTQ who experience conversion therapy are nearly twice as likely to attempt suicide than those otherwise. My name's Anthony Padilla, and today I'm gonna to be sitting down with conversion therapy survivors to learn what it's really like to experience a practice that's been discredited and proven ultimately harmful and outright cruel. Were these conversion therapy survivors able to come out of this experience with a newfound appreciation for their most authentic self? Or they live every day deeply tormented by the overwhelming shame they were forced to experience at the hand of those they believed had their best interests at heart? Hello, Matthew. Hey, Anthony. It's Aaron. Hey there. Peter. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on here and teaching me about the world of surviving conversion therapy. Absolutely a pleasure to be here. What do you consider yourself? A conversion therapy survivor? Someone who's been shamed for their authentic identity? It's pretty hard to find the right words for it, and yeah. conversion therapy survivor is the word that fits best. A conversion therapy survivor, and I like to include that I'm an advocate to fight conversion therapy now. As a survivor of con conversion therapy, and as somebody who didn't experience it in many of the traditional forms. Can you explain what conversion therapy is in general? Anyone, it could be a therapist, a pastor, a life coach, or a friend who tries to change your sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. I mean, I didn't call it conversion therapy. There's a lot of terms out there. Right. A lot of these therapists don't say, hey, come over here, we're doing conversion therapy. The name is misleading in and of itself. It's not therapy. You can say it's torture. You can say it's abuse. I mean, you're really destroying people's lives. Historically, yeah, you hear about electric shock therapy and other really aggressive forms of aversion therapy. Mm -hmm. There's less of that today. Uh, most of it is talk therapy mm -hmm. and no one should think that's any less damaging. Can you recall the events that led up to your experience with conversion therapy? When I was in high school, I was definitely realizing that I was different from other kids. I thought myself attracted to, to guys when everyone else was attracted to girls. I met another guy on campus who was also identifying as a Christian, and he challenged me with this question of, what does God really want for your life? That moment led me to being a part of his church, where I pretty much gave up everything in pursuit of trying to remain heterosexual or become heterosexual um, under the threat of not making it to heaven. And so that began the process of, at first it was, we'll stay living in the church in the basement. It it, it was dark <laughs> and there was an open sewer, so. <laughs> oh shit, so it is kind of like yeah. how I imagine it. The space that I was in was very cult-like or, or maybe it could be considered a cult under the guise of we care about you mm -hmm. and we're worried about you. And so it, you feel good in the moment and there are all these people who seem so invested in you, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, but I'm so bad. And they're like, oh, but we're gonna help you. Cut off more and more parts of my life to the point that I told my friends and family just to forget about me because 
because I was convinced that I was going to send all of them to hell. Early on, I knew that I was different, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what my attraction to men was, but I knew it was something I needed to hide. When I was 15, my parents found a men's workout magazine that I had bought, and they didn't tell me about it, but my dad told me that we were gonna go on a trip together and he didn't tell me where we were going. I remember very vividly when we got to a layover in St. Louis that he told me that they had found this magazine and that he was taking me to a therapy center to fix whatever weird sexual shit I had going on. You thought you were going on some fun vacation with your dad, a bonding experience, and it turns out it was to fix something he felt was inherently broken within you? He also made it really clear that not only did he think something was broken with me, but that if I didn't get fixed, as he called it, that he would get rid of me. Everything that was important to me in my life, my family, my faith, my home, was about to be gone. But we went to a counseling center in Iowa for two weeks, I worked with therapists and doctors and counselors at this counseling center. I got beat up really bad my junior year. I was hospitalized. How I identified as a guy compared to everyone else really began to change for me. And I actually felt afraid for my life for the first time. I was gonna get exposed somehow and I needed help. What help meant was my father who I looked up to, if I could tell him, come out to him and know that he supports me, then maybe I'll, I'll know that I'm safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's how I came out. I came out to my dad, but literally the next day, my dad had his own panic of like what this meant. Mm -hmm. His only son is now, was gonna live a gay life. What does that mean to our family? What does that mean to the conservative community I was growing up in? And he began immediately searching for a therapist, not knowing what a conversion therapist was. I was 16 years old, it was 2004, and I began conversion therapy right there and then. And can you explain what the conversion therapy process was like? I sat with a series of therapists. It was very heavily religious, but they believed in what they called generational sin. And that would be that my grandfather or my father or my uncle or my mother had some kind of sin that then passed on to me and tainted me and made me, could have made me gay. That could be one of the reasons. So it was your battle to fight to make up for your ancestors' sins. I was supposed to do homework and write down any sin that I knew my father had committed or that my mother had committed. There would be some physical things too, like I remember them making me walk and try to walk more masculinely. Throughout the therapy, I crossed my legs. They would tell me like to sit differently. There was a lot of talk about sexuality as well um, in detail. I remember them talking about how much I did, um, if I watched pornography, um, even my penis size. How is that relevant to anything? I, I never told my dad that they asked that because I thought he, ass I assumed he knew and this was just part of what was supposed to happen. The next five years were me keeping that idea, that thought process, that conversion therapy going myself, mm -hmm. trying to be fixed for something that mm -hmm. I didn't want and I couldn't control. Even though it's not connected to the more formal forms of co conversion therapy, the methods are still the same, the outcomes are still the same. As I stayed longer, it got progressively worse. I had taken to sleeping on the altar of our church at night because I was so insistent on God doing something that I was willing to like do a very like old school Bible type move where it's just you just show up and wait for God. They actually ask you how sexually experienced you are. Because in the world of conversion therapy, that matters. Okay, so they want to make sure that you've only dabbled. So because I was 
less experienced with men, they're like, oh, you should probably start to see your heterosexuality come back within six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they gave an actual timeline to this. I mean, this was with all seriousness. Did you hear that six week number and you're like, okay, I'll just be on my way in six weeks. Yeah, I mean, mind you, I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier, I was in it for five years. So obviously the, the numbers didn't add up. Before we continue learning about the world of surviving conversion therapy, I'd like to bring awareness to Born Perfect, an organization that was actually founded by Matthew, who is in this video, that's dedicated to spreading awareness and empowering conversion therapy survivors with the mission to draft, introduce, and pass legislation to end conversion therapy practices once and for all. For more information, or if you wanna make a donation of your own, which I would highly encourage, I'll go ahead and include a link to Born Perfect down in the description below. And I'd also like to thank Honey for sponsoring this episode. As you know, sponsors allow us to continue the series and support all the excessively stunning people who help make this series possible behind the scenes. Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart, so you'll no longer have that empty discount code box staring you down in the face at checkout because if Honey finds a working coupon, a Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupon. And no joke, Honey has personally saved me a disturbing amount of money in my online shopping escapades for everything from the underwear I am currently wearing to that light up there in the corner of my set. Literally that one, I saved almost a hundred bucks. It's literally free and installs in just a few seconds. So it's kind of ridiculous, you don't already have it, but you know what, no judgment. If you want to do yourself a solid and also support this series, get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Padilla. Again, it's free. And if you go to joinhoney.com slash Padilla, you'll be directly supporting this series. Now back to the world of conversion therapy. Were there any big moments during your stay there that made you kind of second guess, like, is this, is this right? Should I? Should I be doing this? So they saw that like, okay, your dynamics with your family is a big part of why you're gay. And how to correct that is, we wanted me to spend as much time as possible with the, the male's peers in my life. So whether the boys at school, father figure, my uncles, or maybe other male cousins. Meanwhile, I was not allowed to talk to females at all. The reason they said that was, we don't want you to pick up effeminate behavior. Doesn't that kind of seem like it would perpetuate those feelings of having you only be surrounded by those in which you are attracted to? Yeah, I mean, that's how I met my first boyfriend, but <laughs> <laughs> because they included all women, I wasn't allowed to talk to my mom and my two sisters for the first three years of my conversion therapy. I would wake up in the morning, mom would make me breakfast, I'd walk downstairs, eat breakfast, and I'd walk right out the door and not say a word to her. Would you even like look at her or acknowledge her existence? I try not to because at that point I was following my father's lead. I believed in the therapist. I was so passionate that like I'll succeed. I will actually get through this. I will actually get attracted to women. I will live a straight life. It, it's going to work. When things didn't seem to be changing, my pastor like assumed I wasn't doing all the spiritual things. He said, oh, well, you still need to be more spiritual. So paint the church. What he was asking me was less and less about me or spirituality or change it was just control did you follow through with your entire conversion process for me it was like every woman i had a relationship with was affirmation that like i am straight like this is, i'm doing it like i have all these guy friends like, oh, i'm dating these women these girls like me i really thought uh it was working and that was also around the same time where my depression really grew i was having panic attacks by the age of 20 i had probably submitted myself to like an emergency room at a hospital maybe like seven or eight times. 
how did you feel after you were convinced that you completed conversion therapy? I was mostly scared that my parents wouldn't believe me when I said it worked. Very quickly after that, I mean, I continued to have sexual thoughts and I realized that something was still broken with me. It was a really, really dark time in my life. Mostly I felt really isolated from God. Like if God wanted me so badly to be straight and to not have these thoughts and I wanted it, why wouldn't he do something about it? With that said, are you are you still heavily faith-based or ha have you kind of disconnected from that? I'm an atheist. That was <laughs> enough to kind of set you on your way. That was a journey on its own too. <laughs> when I was 16, um, I attempted suicide and I, I wrote a note in my pocket that just said, God, please forgive me. And I didn't feel like there was any hope for me. Um, I'm glad that I'm here. I'm glad I survived. But it took me a really long time to be glad that I survived. Did anyone treat you differently after you were so-called converted? When I left conversion therapy, I had to rebuild my relationship with my mom and my sisters because I didn't talk to them for three years. I stopped talking to my father because I blamed him for the whole thing. I had to go through two years of like, do I go to therapy or who right. do I talk to? You were just taught to? that therapy is something to, to manipulate you. So, I mean, yeah. like, where were you supposed to go now? I went to therapy for the therapy I was in, basically. When did you ultimately decide that you were actually happy and being your most true authentic self? When I was 18, I went to my first Pride Festival in Atlanta, and I remember seeing these parents carrying signs that said, I love my gay son, or I love my lesbian daughter. And it really hit me that like, that I wanted, I wanted that love, that maybe I deserved that love, um, not just from my family, but from myself. For the first time in years, feeling a little spark of hope that that maybe I could be loved. Why do you think the suicide rates for LGBTQ who have undergone conversion therapy is so much higher than those who haven't? Well, if you're gay or LGBTQ mm -hmm. and you come out, you might lose everyone. It's not like someone's telling you, hey, like you're perfect the way you are, everything's okay. It's like, no, you're not perfect the way you are. Right. You have to change. When you're at a dead end, suicide becomes appealing to so many people. And we do know now that all it takes is one guardian or one person in your life that supports you, helps that individual out of suicide. If you could sit down with your therapist slash instructors who inflicted conversion therapy upon you. Is there anything that you'd want to say to them? I have done that with one. When I realized how much he was harming me, it was really hard for me to wrap my head around because I'm like, but we were so close. I shared everything with him. He knows the ins and outs of my whole life. That was what I told him. Did you realize how harmful it was what you were doing? You know, he, he cried. I didn't, when he cried, I didn't even know, I didn't cry. I didn't know what to do with it. He was like 31 or 32 and he just became a therapist. He discovered conversion therapy because when he was a student, he interned at a, at a practice that was doing it. He said he was probably treating 12 or 13 boys at the time I was his patient. And he said today, all 13 of them are gay. <laughs> right, it didn't, it didn't work at all. Yeah, he says that he realized how harmful it was. I forgave him in that moment because I wanted to be like, be free of it. Um, I don't, not saying he deserves a pass, 
But yeah, I think all conversion therapists, including my own and the others that I saw, should be held accountable. I don't think I would sit down with them. Have any of them reached out to you to, to apologize or, or how to change a heart or anything? No, none of, none of that. I've thought frequently like how the conversion therapy experience has stuck with me all these years. And I, and I bet none of them remember me. They had such a detrimental impact on you and yet it was just business. How has this whole experience affected your current mental health? When the therapist told me that I sounded too feminine or that I lisped, I, I still hear recordings of my voice and I hate my own voice. The things that were drilled into me aren't gone completely, but I fight them um, and I go, I fight through that. If there's anyone watching who has experienced conversion therapy themselves, is there anything that you'd want to say to them? Trust yourself. You know who you are. Do not question it, whether your parents are questioning it, the therapist is questioning it. I knew exactly who I was at 16 years old. I'm the same person. I could have been proud and confident then and not go through a 15-year journey to get back to exactly where I started. Do you feel like you gained anything positive from your experience through conversion therapy? Empathy. I was also the person who was standing on a bullhorn telling people that they were going to hell if they didn't repent of their sins. I led other people to that church that was cultish and, and toxic for me. Mm. I know what it is to do things fully well-intentioned and to realize that what you did was really harmful. All right, you got five seconds to shout out or promote anything you want directly into camera, go. If you want to learn more, go to bornperfect.org or follow us at bornperfect and support the movement. Goodfruitproject.com. Also get in touch with me at darrencalhoun.com or hey Darren on any social media. I just want to tell anybody who's LGBTQ um, who needs help to call 866-488-7386 to speak with the Trevor Project. If you enjoyed this content, Subscribe now and follow Anthony Padilla. <laughs> that was perfect, that was perfect. Thank you so much, Peter. I feel like I understand the world of surviving conversion therapy just a little bit more. I appreciate you having this conversation. After spending the day with these incredibly resilient conversion therapy survivors, I've come to understand just how much religious and societal pressures can really have such a massive detrimental effect on one's entire sense of self. These survivors deserve the utmost respect as they advocate against these practices in order to protect others who may fall victim to similar situations. See you later, bye guys. Press a like. And but towards the end, I, the therapist I was with at the time invited me to go to a conversion therapy camp. And it's like 80 gay men. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can imagine where this is going. They do this exercise like, hey everyone, we're gonna go over about you know, attraction. So raise your hand, and we're all like in a big circle. Raise your hand if anyone is attracted to someone in this room right now. <laughs> <laughs> and My literally, all, all 80 men raise their hands. <laughs> I, could, I feel like that would just become a game at that point. Like, ooh, I want to figure out if someone's attracted to me. Yeah, it, it sounds like a dating camp. It does sound like a dating camp. <laughs>